welcome to the St. Mark's Podcast, uh, Bread in the Wilderness. This is another episode of Eat This Book, our weekly lectionary study, where we look at the readings coming up for this coming Sunday, the third Sunday in Lent, and uh, pray them and discuss in an abbreviated Lexio Divina style. I'm Holly. I'm Tyler. And we'll start with our Collect for Holy Scripture and then the Collect for the third Sunday of Lent. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Would it be necessary for me to um, mention that uh, when we used to do a Bible study before <clears throat> Eucharist on, or after on, on Thursdays, that, that there was always a few people in there who were always rewriting collects and editing out things they didn't mm. like. And no this, power in ourselves? This was, I think, maybe top one or two in terms of collects that just should be abolished, you know, forever, you know? According, cast into the outer darkness. According to this person, uh, <laughs> mm. and specifically the line, um, well, the combination of an Almighty God, uh, you know, that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Mm. Um, that was. Uh, I'm not I'm not exaggerating as I want to do, honestly. Uh, but there's there's true outrage in the room. <laughs> At those lines and you know so it's like interesting to like kind of ponder that sit with that um, and um, it just it puts me in mind of Mary seated at the feet of Jesus right mm. better part when one thing necessary and Martha of course these are not binary oppositions of certain kinds of people these are aspects of each of us, two sisters in the same house, and the house is the soul. But it's Martha who goes and stands over Jesus. Right. That's the Greek. So it, I think it occurs one place yes. in all of Scripture. It's, she stands over uh, as attempt to not stand under, as an understanding as standing under, but um, understanding as mastery, control, and standing over. Mm-hmm. A kind of like panopticon of surveillance you know something like that Mm -hmm. and I think like one of the things that we're actually called to as Christians is to we grant the tradition and I I can grant it tradition has a claim on us the same way that God has a claim on Mm -hmm. us and before we jump and grab the editor's pen and suggest edits Right, which is what that was. Like, 
kind of on a weekly basis, honestly. <laughs> um, and it was entertaining, but it was also deeply sad because um, nothing could have a claim on this interiority that was just hours and hours alone, and, and we knew, mm-hmm. we knew. Well, it's pretty hard to learn that what, way. What might it, you, <laughs> when there's I, an immediate redacting reaction like how how can we learn what it might be saying uh, well and the, you learn what a prayer means by praying it a lot of years on the third sunday in lent and then yeah. maybe uh hear what it might have to say yeah. but like it's the uh i mean i hear this a lot like my inner authority people will say that they'll talk about my truth and that kind of claim to like inner authority or claiming like your own individual truth or something like that um, actually insulates you from any kind of inbreaking action of God, like the word like that, that comes to you, because you are the authority always and everywhere. You're just standing over everybody and telling them that they should help you with the dishes, mm-hmm. or that you know they should, mm-hmm. I don't know, give their money to this nonprofit or go do this or I mean whatever it is, like just sure. standing over, standing over, standing over, standing. And, and so, like, like this colic is actually saying we don't have any power in ourselves to help ourselves. We, there's no way that we can confect ourselves a peace that passes understanding apart from God. Right? And that puts us in this horrible place of childlike need, dependence. It is horrible. Vulnerability. It yeah. is. I mean. That's where the outrage comes from. It does, yeah. Because we're all children of the Enlightenment, yeah. even though it happened 500 years ago, sure. 400 years ago. 300 years ago. <laughs> um, but we've been taught again and again that it's, it's we've got to measure this against our inner authority. And uh, and it gets especially tricky, obviously, in, in Utah where people have a really warped contact with authority that... From the outside that is completely overbearing and not trustworthy and has to be pushed back yes. against. Yeah. But the, the danger... I mean, there's a lot of dangers in that one danger, and that is not ever being able to hear anything from outside of yourself again. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's really important thing to, like, so, like, especially in our context, like, yeah. And part of the reason why the Episcopal Church is a lot of people come to it in Utah is because you're allowed to ask questions. Reason is mm-hmm. also one of the sources of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, with scripture and tradition so you're allowed to use your brain yeah um, human diversity is honored as god created and god blessed yes. in all stripes yes but it doesn't mean we can do it by ourselves no and, and that's the piece that you gotta be real delicate with it i think because otherwise the actual like medicine of immortality <laughs> it's just like yeah, uh, no thanks you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The well have no need of a physician, only the sick, right? It's that. Yeah. yeah. We're helpless. We have no power in ourselves. We can't help ourselves. Adversities which may happen to the body, I mean, those are fairly predictable. Mm. Evil thoughts. Um, I don't think this is like about sin lists of all the ways that you dislike the person who cut you off driving into work. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, sure, you spend your whole life doing that, it probably won't go well. But, but diseases and calamities yeah. in 
in thinking, actually. Actually, more and more I've thought of like, like when Jesus rebukes and casts out and exercises, it's usually uh, self-reliance mm-hmm. or needing the world to appear how you want it to appear according to your ideas and your pictures and preconceptions. Mm-hmm. Get behind me, Satan. Is, that's exactly what that is. Um, that's not what the Messiah looks like, right? And so like an evil thought can also point to the ways in which we're always like um, creating frameworks to impose on other people mm-hmm. and like see them through particular lenses rather than as the sort of like wondrous strange other yeah. that they are um, so we stand over other people in the exact same way yeah yeah um, and so like i think it's it's more that rather than like just having a grumpy thought about a bad driver in utah i mean if you live here long enough i mean that's that's all there is because nobody can drive in this state. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Saw some impressive <laughs> violations this yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. those, those do what the, the assault on the soul is actually this insulated, self enclosed, yeah. no outside. Yeah. Like, that's, that's why Rowan Williams will say, like, self enclosure is hell. Yes. Where there is, I am so alone that there is no possibility for me actually contacting another person yeah. or the love Being of God. contacted by. Yeah. And he, yeah. he says, I have, and he even says, I have no idea whether somebody could reach that point. Like he doesn't, right. he doesn't, he's, he's an Anglican. So he's like, I'm not going to systematize this. But he says, but that to me would be the definition of what hell looks like. Is mm-hmm. the, the inability to reach out and to be reached yeah and i i guess that what i'm saying is that if we think we can help ourselves like that's an evil thought that hurts the soul and cuts us off from god and other people yeah yeah our first lesson is from exodus 20 why are you sorry? Well, I talk too much. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, from Sinai. Mm-hmm. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents, to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mean, if you're riffing off that, what the collect was pointing at, like, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, you should not make for yourself an idol. I mean, just with those two. Um, self-reliance is putting the god of the individual heroic action or the individual interior genius, right? Either one um, before God. In both of those cases, interior genius or heroic actor in the world, um, you've got a god of the self and its efforts at the center of things. Um, and the, uh, the, the in-breaking uh, love of God as holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy other, uh, is excluded from the picture. And um, we are just left with me and my efforts, you and, you and your efforts. Mm-hmm inflated to carry the force of God for real yeah. yeah I mean that's what nationalism is yes that's why you shouldn't have American flags in the sanctuary but I'm just saying or Episcopal flags <laughs> <laughs> um, so like it seems obvious but like a lot of times like this the way people hear this it sort of stops at like well I'm not going down to my basement and worshiping Baal so like what are we talking about so I don't have a problem with idolatry right no right but I mean um, secular consumer culture is just it's all about idolatry there's a show actually called American Idol no I'm just kidding (laughs) no but like the whole idea of a matinee idol these are false gods to whom we bow down Mm -hmm. give our adoration and praise and somehow expect by our Mm -hmm. worship to be rendered something all sorts of ritual worship and sacrifice mm-hmm. we make to these false gods right one of my favorite essays of, with of rowan williams in the, it's on theology right is it called yeah. just is it called just between the the seraphim uh, i forget cherubim. What it, the cherubim oh, but he's talking about the on the 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 lid of the ark or these seraphim their wings that kind of form like this bracket or this like parentheses almost. parentheses yeah and and in the middle is empty. There's just empty space. Mm-hmm. And this that's called the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. And the mercy seat is real, <laughs> but it can't be figured or contained. And any mm-hmm. uh, image, word, anything that we would try to pin it down with, just like in the the readings, like mm-hmm. it, it burns up. Like it, it, right before this, they're told, like, you know, don't touch the mountain. You're gonna, it's going to destroy you. It destroys idols. God's presence is a, like destroys idolatry. Like yeah, consuming ex- fire. Explodes it, right? Yeah. Not out of anger and wrath, but out of um, wanting us to be in ac- relationship with the true and actual living God. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. <laughs> that, like, God is freeing us from idolatry. Yeah, right. What's under the lid? Of that mercy seat, the box. Well, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, it's the law. It's the law. 
right, so that's why it's... Yeah. Bad things happen if you touch that, too. Mm. Mostly because uh, I think... I, I don't think it's primarily out of ritual purity kind of things. It's not that God can't handle our dirt or something, you know? Uh, God's a neat freak. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's more um, to touch is also so often to uh, possess and control and own, mm -hmm. to contain. Yep. Um, and so... Or the fellow who's trying to steady the ark, just take care of God, make sure it's okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> so in kind of like really visceral dramatic ways trying to show like the dangers of um, putting anything but the living God in, in the place of God mm -hmm. shall I read Psalm 19 yeah you had really good thoughts about the we had a story of it from about the wrongful use of the name of God but we can talk about that some other I guess the you only do it now. Yeah. The, well, the only thing is like, uh, what if uh, wrongful use of the name of the Lord um, is not just cussing? I think it's about more than that, yeah. right? Uh, and so, is it pointing to you know religious violence, exclusion, uh, claiming the divine authority yes. uh, for um, awful acts of violence and condemnation. I would say putting murder. anything if somebody in kills, God's name. Somebody kills themselves because of your theology. That's murder, right? Yeah. That's that's on you. So that is that's using the that's the lat that's down uh -huh. there on the list. But like <laughs> that's the wrongful use of the name of the Lord. If, if it's yes. if what you say is so shame inducing that it brings someone to think the only way out is to kill themselves then that's the mm -hmm. that's the misuse of, yes. of god's name or i mean the lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name that's a strong condemnation of that particular form of idolatry yeah yeah um i actually had somebody when we were doing the the overflow shelter for the hmm. on the code blue night on the code blue night was i I think sometimes the priests are like these sounding boards for people who are like working their way through like religious trauma or something. Mm -hmm. And then and so they just sort of try stuff out on your, so I, I was thinking that, <laughs> and that this is what she was saying. It was like, yeah. I don't, I really don't think it's like, I need to like stop cussing during Lent. I think it's like far more profound than that. Yeah. And this is what she was getting at. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, how can you, like, and it's sort of, like, fairly convicting, because it's like, well, how can you have a church, sell uh, it when you, and you're celebrating Eucharist, and there's people freezing to death on the streets. Yeah. Um, like, that's, like, she, she, I think, she would, would say, that's a wrongful use of the name of the Lord. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was that intense. Yeah. Like, it was gently intense, but it I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that is, right? And, of course, we're never going to meet every need, right? But right. Like, but and we're not going to keep the law. <laughs> no, this is a whole other... Yeah. Yes. But, okay. But, yeah, important to hear what that actually means, not as uh, some little 
obsessive, moralistic, watch your language thing. Mm-hmm. Like Jiminy Cricket, like my grandmother. Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. It's JC. I, think. I see you. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard. Their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The the commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter than Sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound, and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So it's not the great hymn to the law, uh, Psalm 119, but this 19 has sort of aspects of that. Yeah. Uh, The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. Yeah, and then uh, these words like, I shall be whole and sound, um, that the law can be, is more desired than fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. Uh It's clean. Did you already say that? No. It's clean. True and righteous gives light to the eyes. Yeah. And yeah. rejoices the heart. Keeps us from our presumptuous sins having dominion over us, i.e., keeps us free. The one who brought us out of Egypt uh-huh. really desperately wants us not to go back into Egypt again. <laughs> really, really <laughs> desperately wants us not to go into Egypt again. And God yet, wants us to be free. Yeah. This God of freedom wants us to be free. Not escorted into some neater or different version of servitude. Sheesh. No, and this is the true end of the law, obviously, right? To be the, the liberated people mm-hmm. of God. And uh, the end of the law is um, asher in Hebrew, uh, happiness, blessedness. Uh, we would call it uh, in Aristotelian terms like flourishing. So this is not this thing imposed from outside just because, you know. Mm-hmm random set of capricious rules that uh, distant God requires for no reason right God is means God loves mm-hmm. as Bart would say and so the only thing this can be about is about us waking up to the relational mm-hmm. encounter with the God who desires to love us into loving like mm-hmm. it's just that it's the covenant in God and yes 
This is meant to bring us into relationship. Yes. Right? God calls us, creates out of nothing, calls into being the things that do not exist. Yeah. Yeah. The law is part of that call yeah. into life and loving relationship. Yeah. If we're, I mean, I don't think we need to talk about necessarily like, well, should we, is it necessary to talk about whether we can keep the law or not? Sure. Yeah. So can we keep the law? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that not a horribly dispiriting situation? Because the promise doesn't depend on keeping the law. This is Romans last week. Yeah. Uh, our faith is reckoned to us as righteousness. Righteousness. Our faith in the God who <laughs> creates yeah. and liberates. Yeah. Yeah. So our, Jesus keeps the law for us. Yeah. Gives his law-keeping perfect obedience, mm -hmm. his faithfulness, his, his righteousness, his transparency to the Father, his, mm -hmm. all of that, his, the justifying, making right with God, right, mm -hmm. uh, reckons that to us, gives it to us, declares it over yeah. us. We are clothed in his robes of righteousness. Mm -hmm. We were just at the point, right, and it was reckoned, it's reckoned to him, reckoned to him, mm -hmm. again, outside, yeah, accounted to you, mm -hmm. declared over you, like... God understands that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. <laughs> and is uh, not as, it's not outraged by that the way that we are outraged by that. Um, That's what's But so lovingly, tenderly, he's caring for us. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. You can't do this. Of course you can't. Jesus can. Why don't you let him reckon, reckon that to you by yeah. faith? First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1:18-25. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, I always hear Romans uh, when Paul's like, uh, not one is righteous, not one has understanding, not one seeks wisdom. Right, it's the same thing. Where's the one who's wise? Where's, where's the scribe, the bader mm -hmm. of the age? That somehow, like, they embrace the recognition of um, that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves cross. Mm -hmm. um, and that embrace, embrace of our foolishness as human beings is how the strength that is not human strength comes to, what, reside in us, mm -hmm. live through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's saying Christ crucified is ostensibly foolishness and weakness. 
tortured dying man condemned by church and state on a garbage dump outside the city. Crying out. Desolation. Sounding like he doesn't know whether God's even there or not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can see why this... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can see why this would be confusing to people who had sort of slightly different pictures of the Messiah. Of the Messiah. Yeah. And this affirmation that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. God's weakness, Jesus' weakness on the cross, is stronger than human strength. And why do we need God's foolishness and God's weakness? <laughs> I think because our strength actually is revealed to be... It doesn't work. Murderous, adulterous, covetous, thieving. Yeah. Without knowing ourselves to be helpless to even help ourselves, and without knowing ourselves as full in need of the wisdom of God, it's a bad scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, human wisdom and human strength are just different forms of self-reliance and really the self-enclosure, the mm-hmm. hell of being locked in on ourselves. And it can be forms of manipulation, control, exploitation. Totally. And we call that God... Yeah. And we do awful things in the name of God yeah. with this idol of the self. Yeah. yeah. And so the cross is incredibly like particularized, mm. horrifying, difficult, uh, offensive, mm-hmm. uh, a sign of a, a, that empty space between the seraphim's wings on the top right. of the ark. Because it destroys every idol. Yes. A consuming fire. Yeah. It's cleansing. It's yeah. purging. It casts out all the things we put in the place of God. So that the living God can actually come to us and yeah. feed us and love us and raise us. Right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, like for the self-reliant aspect of ourselves or whatever it you is. want to call it, it's that helplessness that's the death. It is. It means death for the part of ourselves that wants to do it ourselves. And you're probably going to be outraged and offended. And yeah. I still am. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you keep on wanting to, you know, figure it out, have understanding, yeah. you know. The have more spiritualized ideas of the ways I yeah. can do it by myself. Secret Gnosticism. Sure. You know, all the... Yeah. And that's kind of what Paul's getting at. like. Yeah. You know, wisdom of God. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I think that contemplatives are actually the ones who are most prone to this because they somehow think by turning inward and cultivating some kind of like spiritual quote-unquote state that you know they've mm. encountered god and, and nobody else has and then you know chaos ensues because yeah. but there's lots of different ways where the wisdom of god can just be knowing really boring facts about maps of the middle east and telling other people about them in bible study rather than encountering them in sure um, in all sorts of ways yeah 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 and the ways that that's substituted for actual encounter gospel of the lord jesus christ according to john the passover of the jews was near and jesus went up to jerusalem in the temple he found people selling cattle sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables making a whip of cords he drove all of them out of the temple both the sheep and the cattle he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables 
He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple's been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Trotted out, what, how, what, what connections are you making there, then? Ah, uh, the cleansing of the temple. Right. Uh, the way the cross uh, cleanses our idols, or that consuming fire, or the space between mm-hmm. the cherubim on the ark. Um, is an overturning of all the tables. Mm-hmm. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Stop making the love of God something that can be bought and sold, earned, earned yeah. lost, uh, gambled on. Um, spiritual practiced too (laughs) no for real yeah yeah that totally is a real thing yeah yeah i mean they're not just selling stuff in the temple for fun it's selling it for the sacrifices for what what people have come there to do for their practices Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah that that is a word you could live by all lent all year several years stop making my father's house a marketplace so, like, stop making of your life, even. Yes. The temple of your life, the temple of yes. your body, whatever. Uh, stop making of that a marketplace where the, there's gaining and losing. Yes. Earning and... Checking the accounts. Where do I stand today? How's the market doing? <laughs> How's right? the spiritual marketplace? Like, what's my spiritual temperature right now? Yeah. How's my faith? Is it high enough? Is it mm-hmm. too low? Do I need to boost it? Yeah. How can um, I increase my faith? How can I increase my faith? Can I deepen my faith? Yeah. And so those so, are all ways of spinning us back into that self-enclosed place. With, yeah, ourselves and our efforts at the center of the picture, right? And this, yeah. The extra nose, the outside ourselves thing that Luther, Luther's so famous for is mm. the, 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 the inbreaking of the, the love of God who is wholly other. I mean, mm. it is meant to offer us... Um, assurance and relief and peace and um, life uh, that can't be found in that endless rummaging through of faith states, mental states, how much energy we have to exert effort to do the things we think will please God or or Mm -hmm. not. Like all of that up and down calculus. Yeah. I don't think it's calculus. I think it's simple math usually. But (laughs) um, addition and subtraction goes out the window because of who Jesus is and what he's done for mm-hmm. us, right? And He's reckoned righteousness to us. Yeah. And I think that's as startling today as it was in you know, fifteen, seventeen, to like to for that to like really take root in us, you know, like like being yeah, like assiduous about the ways in which we make of the, the our our life with God a marketplace in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really good yes. way of, you know? Yeah. And, and don't hear that as, okay, I'm going to go clear out the marketplace of my life. 
<laughs> Jesus cleanses the temple. Like that also was done from the outside. Oh dear, yeah. Right? And I, I love this note in John's telling of the cleansing of the temple that he Jesus makes the whip. Mm-hmm. He sits down and makes a whip of cords. Yeah, braids it. Yeah. yeah. So this is, I mean, yes, Jesus gets angry. Uh, very much. But it's justified a, here, but this is—it's not just a reactive, you know, <laughs> in rage turning over the tables. No, uh, this is very deliberate. It's a prophetic action and prophetic sign act. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it takes a while to do that to whip, to, to, to make, make a whip. It does. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So you would be standing and you would be plating and you'd be looking and you'd be praying to the Father. Like, like yeah. I don't know what, he, but like probably like. And then sort of from that prayerful taking yeah. in. Uh, it's in this sort of almost civil disobedience, very deliberate, prepared for. Uh, it does remind me. Action for, the, uh, to witness to justice. I'm deciding to do yes, this. Yes, the Raha, Gandhi, or King. Like yeah. That kind of like really slow, empty-handed, chin-up right mm-hmm. into it like it's it's interesting too in John that they like everybody knows this but it's at the beginning of chapter 2 John so the the whole do not make of my father's house a marketplace is, is kind of like in the same way that idolatry is like mm. the first thing mentioned in the letter to the Romans like this is the cleansing of the temple is like really big deal in, in kind John's of the epigraph like, of John yeah, yeah. Right, and like all the ways that we try to make false idols and false temples of anything but the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's speaking of the temple in his body. <laughs> yeah. um, it's interesting. What sign can you show us for doing this? Kind of seems like him doing that was the sign. I don't know. Am I saying if you do some wonder for us, we'll let you off the hook? Won't be mad. I don't know. Hmm. It's very evocative imagery. It's got the sheep and sheep and the cattle being driven out. Hmm. The doves flapping all over. Just like pouring in the out the coins. <laughs> don't they release the doves in the Olympics or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what like the or maybe ceremony? Was, maybe it was Prince's funeral. I can't remember. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what I always like think of them. Yeah. I, I, I had a friend who, who were hypothetically planning grandiose funerals once, and he's saying he wanted a, a thousand dove release at his, at his funeral, but that should be followed by a, a thousand lizard release. Just a very slow <laughs> crawling out. That's really weird. It was really strange. Um, no, but, but you got coins just rolling everywhere, the tables mm-hmm. knocked over. You know, a little bit too with like the same way that like at, at the Transfiguration, uh, especially in the Gospel according to Mark, <clears throat> to Mark the, he's like, don't tell anybody about this. Mm. That, and the reason, one of the reasons for the Mark in secret would be, of course, that like you, we can't actually understand the person and work of Jesus uh, except through the cross and that everything without that is like, ultimately idolatrous like mm-hmm. oh you're a healer oh you're a bread machine oh you're a and the same thing happens here like not in the exact same way but he's saying like well uh 
this temple's going to die and go into an empty tomb, uh, as you go into a burial tomb, and then it's going to rise. And then you'll, so he's like, you're not going to be able to understand me until um, somebody thinks I'm the gardener mm-hmm. in this uh, garden that seems a lot like the Garden of Eden. At the end of the end of the story, you know, like, so I think it's the same kind of like it's only through the cross after he was raised from the dead that the disciples remember and believe. Then we oh, right, but that's foolishness to yeah. people who want to know a lot, yeah. be in control. You know, give me a sign, like, I mean, give me just give me something, man. Like, yeah, explain yourself. Yeah, <laughs> justify yourself. Yeah, yeah. Jesus doesn't justify himself. <laughs> he lets the Father justify him. And and that's, I think that's, there's a lot of stuff about Jesus speaking as one with authority mm-hmm. in the elections these days. I mean, we don't do well with authority to begin with. Mm. Um, but this is what I think is there's something about his authority well, comes his from authority. outside the framework of what we recognize as mm-hmm. wise or strong. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. That authority isn't just a bigger version of the wisdom or strength or authority um, that's already recognized. It's not just the biggest idol yet. And we're the God of, among gods. Uh, it's a totally different yeah, authoritative voice that, and that reveals of, the others as shams. Yeah. And that kind of authority, um, you know, well, the living God is always re- revealed as justice and mercy and loving kindness. Yes. And I will, will not let you go. And the other forms of authority um, are slavery and making money off us. Yeah. And hollowing us out from the inside. Yeah. Like, yep. Telling us who we're supposed to be. Like that's you know zeal for my father's house will consume me since Jesus, but uh, they, the disciples remember that. But like, what gets inculcated in our culture is actually zeal for a lot of stuff that actually just is kills us, it consumes us. Mm-hmm. David Foster Wallace worship beauty and you'll die a thousand deaths before they put you in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, worship your intellect. You know, you'll become live. more and more afraid of not knowing. Yeah. yeah. A wonderful little litany in the. Um, this is water. This is water. Yeah, commencement speech. And that is where I, why he ends up saying it has to be something other than yourself. No, oh, he got that. Yeah. 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 Difficult. Difficult. It is a great address. I also recommend his essays on tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Are we good? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. God bless everyone. God bless. See you later.